Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side. I am here with Paul Pickin, and we are recapping the Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots, devastating loss in week two of the season. You can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on, and you can download our show on iTunes, on YouTube, or you can send a question to us at hashtag FinsideQ. Paul, a devastating loss here this, this past week to the New England Patriots. Before we get to that, not many injuries from the game. Arian Foster listed as day-to-day, may not play this week against the Cleveland Browns. Browns. I'll get to why later, why I'm actually glad, hope, not, not glad necessarily that he's hurt, but I'm really done with this guy for so many different reasons. Anyway, Paul, uh, it really looks like Arian Foster is going to be the only injury. It looks like he'll be questionable heading into this weekend's game. They're deciding between Jay Ajaye and Kenyon Drake for that, for that starting role in Foster's place. What do you make of that? Well, I mean, Ajayi probably would have been a shoe-in for it if he hadn't had his little hissy fit a couple weeks ago. He really only looked okay in this game. I know we're going to give our grades positionally, but I thought in very limited action, Drake outplayed him. He managed to break away a little bit. I don't think there were huge rushing totals in this game overall. And Miami got way down way early, so it is difficult to tell, but hopefully... We'll have Isaiah Pete back to throw into the mix as well. We'll see. We will see indeed. Uh, Isaiah Pete, hopefully he comes back sooner rather than later. I'll tell you this right now, based on pure ability, Paul, you can give me Kenyon Drake and Isaiah Pete over Arian Foster and Jay Ajayi any day of the week. Moving on, yeah, it's something I really wish we didn't have to talk about every week, but we do. Um, congratulations to Jelani Jenkins for standing for the national anthem, not being a moron, unlike his three counterparts, Arian Foster, Michael Thomas, and Kenny Stills. And now, breaking news, Paul, uh, the Broward County Sheriff's Office is urging police to stop their protection for the Miami Dolphins. What do you think? I think we're rapidly descending into territory usually held over for The Bachelor on Monday night. It's it's getting ridiculous and out of hand. It has nothing to do with football. And, you know, we've had these players talk all the time over the past several years, given the distractions that have occurred that had nothing to do with football. Uh, Whether you look at Jonathan Martin, whether you look at any of the different things out there. And now we've got yet another one that doesn't have anything to do with football. And I think Chris Shashity, when we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, really hit the nail on the head when he was talking about how you cannot get people to come together by dividing them. And that's 100% true. And we're sitting here watching this. I mean, Arian Foster, he's out of the mix now. So really, we've only got two guys left kneeling at this point. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen here. I know... Steve Ross has already proclaimed the support, so hopefully we can leave the Brown sideline as the only clown show this weekend instead of uh, having no security on the field and watching the team deal with that. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully, and unfortunately it is something we have to talk about because it's something everybody else is talking about, too. My message to the Broward County Sheriff's Office, especially Jeff Bell, bravo. I hope you don't protect the Miami Dolphins on game day. You know why? 
because it's a volunteer-based thing. <laughs> Why would somebody volunteer to protect you when you're protesting against them for things that aren't happening? This, I'm sorry, but this, this nonsense about cops shooting unarmed people of color and getting paid other than media sensationalized, isolated instance, there is no epidemic. Sorry if that hurts your feelings. And uh, why would you defend them? And, and, and I'm telling you, this rhetoric, this harmful rhetoric, gets more people in urban communities killed because cops are not going to be running toward those bullets, and it gets more police officers killed. 45% increase this year in murdered police officers. Anyway, that's that. We're, let's move on to the football game, Paul. You know, I, I thought, I got to tell you, Paul, move, look, when I was driving to, to watch this game, I was actually f- feeling really confident. Rob Gronkowski was out. Linebacker Dante Hightower was out. And then at the last minute, we hear Mario Williams, Arian Foster, uh, and a couple others were going to dress in this game. I was feeling pretty confident up until the end of the first quarter. I was feeling pretty confident most of the week leading up as well, not just right before. But I just felt like, this is a scenario where Miami was going to be able to pull away and do it early. So I got a little confused. All right. Miami went most of the preseason hyping and lauding their hurry up, no huddle, Tannehill making the calls at the line offense. They used it in preseason. It worked wonderfully when they did use it with the first team offense. It looks great. And then they came out in the first half of this game and didn't use it. And then you look at the second half when they came out, hurried up to the line on most plays, really were firing on on all cylinders. Tannehill looked crisper, looked more confident in that offense. All I could think is Gase got a little bit of the head coach jitters in terms of the first matchup with Bill Belichick and overthought himself here and didn't run with what works to try to out think the guy, went in at halftime, made the adjustments, came out, went with what worked, what works for the players, what works for the team, and really it made a difference in that second half. A team that was capitalist and lost on offense was phenomenal on offense in the second half. They looked lights out. Yeah, I think you nailed it there, Paul. It looked like the coaching staff of last year on both sides of the ball. Offensively, there was no up, up-tempo. There was no no huddle. It seems like they were playing scared and you, you, you get to the <laughs> to the second half where the Dolphins are down by three touchdowns and it seemed then they took the chance to say you know what let's spread the field out let's get Landry down the field a little more let's feature Devontae Parker and that's what they should have done even Jordan Cameron started looking like an NFL caliber tight end in the second half but it does not make sense I'm sorry but football is not that hard offensively you spread the field out, you identify the single coverages, you take big risks, you throw the ball downfield, and likely good things are going to happen. You look at the Bills and the Jets, that's exactly what they were doing. Protecting the quarterback, looking downfield, bombs away. And, and until Ryan Tannehill gets there, it's, it's not going to happen. And I, I don't know how much Tannehill is to blame for that, but they were playing scared offensively and defensively too. I mean, there is no reason. No reason that when you're playing the New England Patriots and they're top without Rob Gronkowski and their top three options are, are Hogan, Amendola, and Edelman, who aren't fast, that you play ten yards off the ball. No, I agree. There were a lot of mistakes in coverage in this game and I don't know what Vince Joseph was thinking. I really like the guy. I really respect the guy. I hope he can get it right because yeah, the Dolphins defense didn't execute it at times. But on top of that, they weren't really put in position to execute in this game either. So between both of those factors, it was just an absolute spiral for that defense. It was really bad. And Vince Joseph, I'm going to 
take the high road on this with, when it comes to Adam Gase and Vance Joseph. I'm just going to say this simply. I hope you learned your lesson when you go into New England because that's not how you play the New England Patriots. And by the time they found out how to play them, the game was too far out of hand. Almost made a comeback. It was exciting in the second quarter, but, or in the second half, but did not get the job done. Patriots, 465 yards of total offense. 70, first three drives of the game, 75-plus yards. 21 to nothing uh, by the time Ryan Tannehill throws the ball three times. Offensively for the Dolphins, it was ugly, too. Punt, punt, punt. Well, not even punt. That's giving it too much credit. Three and out. Three and out, three and out, three and out, fumble, interception. And the Dolphins were 0 for 4 on third down. Doesn't get get the job done. So the more the Dolphins spread the, the field out, go a little more up-tempo, I, I hope they continue to do that, starting with the Cleveland Browns this coming weekend. Paul, let's have a look at this. The quarterback position, Ryan Tannehill, definitely looked good on the stat sheet. What is your, what's your grade for the quarterback spot? I mean, you would think when you look at it, 389 yards, 32 to 45, two touchdowns you would think it's an automatic A. You really would. If you just looked at the stat lines, you would think that this was an automatic A. Unfortunately, there were a handful of mistakes in the first half by Tannehill. Really, most of them I don't, I don't pin on him. There were a lot of times where he hit receivers in the hands when he actually attempted a pass in the first half. But the first half, it was the Dolphins trying to establish the run and just playing scared. I'm going to give him a B-, minus if I was only grading the second half. He would definitely get an A, but because of the first half is mixed in there, I've got to go with a B, B minus, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with a C plus, and really for a lot of reasons you said. And in fact, I'm actually I was actually expecting you to give a little bit of a higher grade because of the of the stat line. I'm, I'm glad you didn't know. Again, it, it did a great job in the second half, but he, but here's the reality when it comes to Tannehill, he, and he only threw the ball three times when the Dolphins were up 21 to nothing. But you look at those first five or four drives. Um, one ended. On a, on a pass to Jordan Cameron, where he should have let him more, it wasn't a very, very good throw. Uh, allowed allowed the defender to get in there. There was another one that that ended with Ryan Tannen botching a snap on fourth down. That was a turnover. Another one where Jarvis Landry's wide open in the middle of the field. Instead, he throws a long pass downfield to Jordan Cameron, and that goes incomplete. You know, it, it's it's not good enough. But what really puts the exclamation point on it for me, Paul, is uh, is is really the last the last series of the game. I mean, the Dolphins get a gift. Steven Goskowski misses a 38-yard field goal to ice game, which he never misses. And then the Dolphins get the football. First play, Ryan Tannehill throws a, throws a 20-yard pass to Devontae Parker. Instead of going up to the line and spiking the football, which would have killed the clock at about 54 seconds, another 12 seconds drained off the clock. Throws an incomplete pass. The next play, Tannehill drops back, looks, looks, looks. And then takes off, runs downfield, kills another another 17 seconds on the clock, and and now you've got no timeouts left, and uh, you've you've got 15 seconds left, and so you're basically just heaving the ball at the end zone now. Th- those are the games that you were you are looking for Ryan Tannehill to step up and to make a difference once in a while. He's not he's not going to do it every single time, but he, and, and it's hard in that type of game to to pin it all on him. But sometimes we have to see a quarterback who's going to take the team on his back like some of these other younger quarterbacks in the NFL are. Overall, I'm going to give them a C plus. Running back spot, Paul, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like we're having the same conversations as last year. The Dolphins were getting blown out so early that they didn't really have a chance to establish a running game. No, but I, I do attribute the running game as well to part of why they weren't able to hang there in the first half. Every time these guys touched the ball, they looked like trash in that first half. 
Um, Arian Foster couldn't get it going. Uh, I know he only had three attempts. Fed Ajayi, half the time he just ran into the line and fell over. And Kenyon Drake looked okay when he got a chance, but I don't believe that was until the second half. And, and you know, on those three and outs, that's part of why they had such a low carry total. They were part of the reason why the Dolphins went three and out. You said it yourself, Tannehill had three pass attempts by the time the Patriots had three touchdowns. They were running the ball, and not very well. And Tannehill wound up being the leading rusher for this team. I believe he had. Yep, he actually had more yards, yards than the other. Well, no, he had he had more yards than the other three running backs did combined. So when you look at that, it, it's abysmal. And yeah, it's, it's, I'm going to give these guys a, a, an absolute straight up D minus. And I don't feel bad about doing that. For for everything you said, I agree. I'll give him a D. Kenyon Drake, congratulations on his first NFL touchdown. Uh, Jay Ajaye. It continues to me to get worse. I mean, the only play the guy made was a first down catch, and I thought it was pretty damn close for him to have his foot out of bounds on that. And for all he knew, I'm sure, his foot should have been out of bounds. And then he also had a fumble earlier in the game. Jay Ajayi, four car- or five carries, 14 yards. When you look back, Paul, at Ajayi in the NFL, his first two games, 11 carries for 89 yards. We're getting all excited about him. Since then, 42 carries for 113 yards, 2.6 yards a carry, and two fumbles in there as well. Also, doesn't offer anything in pass protection, doesn't offer much in the passing game, even though he did catch a few passes in this game, but not good enough. Again, Kenyon Drake and Isaiah Pete, I'm hoping, start getting the bulk of those carries as the season moves along. Foster's not bad either, but he's, number one, an idiot, and number two, hurt all the time, so I'm not sure how long that's going to last. I'll go ahead with a D. The receiving core, Paul, you know, even though they got off to a rough start, second half, they really turned it on. Yeah, I I completely agree there, and I'm going to say something I didn't think I'd say all season here because I know we love our tight ends, but the thing with our receivers, bravo to Jordan Cameron. Deion Sims as well. Suddenly Miami had tight ends this weekend that could catch the ball. I don't know if Jordan Cameron, I don't know what he did, but he actually looked like the tight end that Miami signed a couple of years ago. You look at Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, there are two plays, one for each of those guys, outside of the 100 yard, hundred plus yards receiving that they each had. I mean, there were eight, 18 catches, 140 or 243 yards between just those two players. But Jarvis Landry tried to make a little too much happen at one point, which, let's face it, you got six guys on you and you're at a dead stop, go down, because now they're not trying to get you down, they're trying to get the ball. And Jarvis needs to learn that it's not the first time it's happened in his career. He needs to to learn when to go down. I love the fight. I love that he fights for every yard, but he needs to learn when to go down. He also got away with taking a swipe at somebody when he popped up at one point and they didn't see it. Second time, recent memory that I can say that that happened. He's going to start getting calls for that at some point. The refs are going to start looking for it. He needs to get his head out of his ass and play with a lot of emotion, but learn where and when to contain that. Devontae Parker, I know you talked a little bit about Tannehill on that last drive. I don't 100% share the same viewpoint. I think he did lead them down the field. He did throw the ball up a little bit into the end zone. When you've got a big receiver like Parker, you expect him to make the read and high point it like he has a couple of times already. And I watched Parker on that play. He was struggling to read the ball in the air on that one and stopped, kind of floated one way, got himself turned around, floated the other, and now he's not in a position to make a jump that he normally would be able to do and out jump that defensive back. So 
So those are two mistakes that I, I would look at with those two. One absolutely killed the drive early. One absolutely killed what could have been. I'm still going to give these guys a B based on everything else, but there were two game-hampering mistakes out of Parker and Landry. I think that's fair. I'll, I'll go ahead and give them a B as well for, for those reasons. I don't have a problem with what Tannehill did really on that last drive, except for that first pass to Devontae Parker. That went for 20 yards. He should have run up and spiked the ball. Now you got the ball at midfield with 55 seconds left. And that last play of the game, I, I do put that on Parker. I thought Tannehill put the ball exactly where it needed to be in the back of the end zone. And that's a ball that if Parker were at that spot, he may have been able to box the people out. Kenny still gets into the end zone, uh, somewhat makes up for, for the embarrassment of last week. But I, I'll tell you what, it, it's, again, watch the Jets, the Bills, and the Patriots, the way that they played this past week. And you're, you'll say the Miami Dolphins should be doing that exact same thing. So I'll give them a B. I am excited about Devontae Parker. Jordan Cameron did look like an NFL tight end this week. Played well. Had had one ball that was in the first quarter that was kind of catchable, but I think it was more Tannehill's fault on that, too. So five catches for 14 yards from Jordan Cameron. That is the highest yardage total Jordan Cameron's had in the game since week two against the Jaguars last year when he had, I think, 63 yards. I I hope it continues for him. The offensive line, Paul, I'll, I'll take this one first. I had zero problem with the offensive line. I I thought the pass protection was phenomenal all game. The Dolphins didn't let up a sack. All five of those offensive linemen, I thought, did very, very well. Run blocking, not all that great, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure if I can completely pin the blame on them, too. They they did have a missed snap with uh, Anthony Steen and Ryan Tannehill. I don't know whose fault necessarily that was, but overall, Paul, I I like the way this unit is starting to come together. I'm going to give them a B+. I will say on that steam boss snap, if you watch back, you see Bushrod is still looking back at Tannehill. Tannehill's still making a few calls. I don't know what happened with steam there, where why he snapped it. Definitely not knocking the kid, like you said. The pass protection was phenomenal. The run blocking was okay. Not great, obviously, based on some of the returns from in terms of statistics. But I'm going to go with a B-plus here, mainly because they were able to keep Tannehill clean all game and they really do need to pick up that run blocking. But, again, keeping Tannehill clean, allowing no sacks, that's not something we see very often when alone against a playoff-caliber team like New England. Moving to the defensive side of the ball, where it's an absolute train wreck um, in the first half, the defensive line, I, I swear, I mean, I was so when, – when the Dolphins were getting crushed in the first quarter, I keep looking on the field, and I'm like, I don't see Cameron Wake. I don't see Ndamukong Sue very often. I don't. I, I barely see Mario Williams out there. These are the guys that the Dolphins paid to be on the field. And to me, very, very good showing in the first week against the Seattle Seahawks. Not a very good showing here in, this, in week two. Yeah, Julius Wormsley, I thought, played well when he got out there. I saw exactly what you did, which was, I think it was that first drive. Suddenly you see Chris Jones out there nonstop. You see Terrence today out on the field a lot. You start looking around, it's like, I don't understand why Chris Jones is playing. I understand Miami utilizes their depth a great deal on the defensive line, but you've got to utilize your starters too. And, and I didn't see them doing that just like just like you. And then once they did get in there, they were already in a hole and, and in a rough spot with that. So, God, uh, I've got to give these guys a seat because LeGarrette Blunt ran all over them and they didn't get to the quarterback nearly as often as they should have. I'll, I'll give him a C- for a lot of the reasons you said. Cameron Wake in this game, Paul, played 16 snaps. And one of those snaps 
he got a sack that was taken back because of a defensive holding call. I mean, I, look, I, I understand when when the Patriots are running the ball more, Wake's not going to be on the field as much. But when as Jimmy Garoppolo's moving down the field further and further, I mean, just drive after drive after drive, you got to get Wake on the field. Instead, Jason Jones was the guy on the field for the most part. Not acceptable. I thought I thought Sue, you know, as much as I love him, was visible here in this uh, at least the first two quarters in the game too. Yeah, Garrett Blunt ran ran right down their throat, and besides Jason Jones, uh, nobody nobody had a sack or much pressure from the defensive line. I'm going to give him a C minus. Looking at the linebacker unit, Paul, this is an easy grade for me. It's a big fat F. Uh, I thought for everything they did well in the first game, they did not look good in this game whatsoever. Kiko Alonso just for rough game. He is so hit and miss. I don't even know where to begin. Can look great. It really adds a lot of speed to the middle of the defense but did not get the job done in this game. In fact, he actually blindsided Jimmy Garoppolo on a sack attempt and couldn't bring him down. A linebacker blindsiding a quarterback who's not even that big. Koamisi wasn't on the field much because of the three wide receiver sets. Jelani Jenkins has just been invisible this year, especially in his contract year. Paul F., I think this was the most pathetic performance from the linebackers I've seen in a while, and that's saying much given how bad they were last year. I do have a lot of problems with how the linebackers played in this game. I, I'm, I'm not willing to go down to F territory, but I, I'm hovering between a D-plus and a C-minus. There were a few blitzes where Kiko did get some good penetration. Like you said, he did have that one where he hit him and should have taken him down. He had the, the play where he knocked Garoppolo out of the game. There were some plays where I saw Kiko and Jelani in the right positioning in the zone scheme, but the Patriots did what the Patriots do and found those holes in that zone and just sat down in them. And Garoppolo made some phenomenal reads. I will say that. But they were not put in position to succeed. And I, I, I put a lot on Vance jo- Joseph's shoulders because the schemes that he was running this week they're not going to hold up against the Browns, let alone the Patriots. Yeah, I'm so, with you there. Yeah. Uh, so you, you give them a C minus, I give them an F. Um, the defensive backs, you know, and, and as bad as the defensive backs are, Paul, and I, I do think they're pretty bad. Hopefully Chris Culver can come back in midseason and make some sort of improvement. And I, I think Xavier Howard has potential, but it doesn't matter who we have out there. When you've got when you're playing the Patriots and you have these defensive backs so far off the ball, I'm very disappointed in Vance Joseph this game on, on how he coached and game plan for this. Was uh, I mean even when you even when Jimmy Garoppolo goes down, you have Joe B, Jacoby Brissett in there on third downs. Um, you, you can't even. I mean, J- Jacoby Brissett is just dumping the ball off for first downs. I mean, what are you so afraid of? I, I don't understand. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand what Kevin Coyle's been doing for the last few years. Just not good enough. And uh, Byron Maxwell definitely had a game to forget. I, I think he's been pretty good since he's been here. Let, let's hope that continues. Xavier Howard, Michael Thomas. Bobby McCain, you know, played too far off the ball and, and could not make it up. It just it, it wasn't good enough. Garoppolo just put on a clinic in the first quarter. Um, Rashad Jones and Issa, you know, still I, I, I can't see either one of them had a great game either, but the cornerbacks are where I place most of the blame on. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and give them a D. Yeah, I'll give you a D plus, but with, with the caveat that, like you said, Vance Joseph, again, in this in this position group did not put them in position to succeed. I mean, it's rough and it feels rough giving the secondary a D plus when those corners forced three fumbles. Yeah, that that's 
and they were ones where they punched and ripped the ball out. But they just couldn't get it done in this game, and they weren't in position to succeed in this scheme. It wasn't good. I, I think of all the coaches that outcoached themselves this week and didn't even let Belichick outcoach them, I think Vance Joseph's right, sitting right there at the top of the list, one above Adam Gase. The drive that infuriated me the most was, you know, it's 24 to three coming out of halftime, and then the Patriots get the ball back. First play, first play, they threw a tight end screen. Just, just drop back, nothing fancy. Just dump the ball off to Bennett. He rumbles ahead for 30 yards. They, they get down in field goal range. They get a holding call, and then the next play, Jacoby Brissett just drop, just drops back, throws the ball out in the flat, or, or excuse me, it's a tight end screen. 17 yards, they get right back at second and three, and then they end up getting a first down and eventually Blunt rumbles into the end zone for a touchdown. Oh, man, it's, it, that, that was a killer. Um, and, and it was really, the at least at the time, the nail in the coffin. So, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's not good enough. And, and I, so, so moving on to the last position, Paul, special teams. Well, we didn't really force very many punts in this game, or at least not early on. So I think Matt Dar had a phenomenal game, showed a lot of stamina, especially in the first half considering he was on the field almost as much as anybody. But yeah, I, I, I'm frustrated as hell with, with all the facets of the game here. I think there were a few, I think there was an attempt at a return by Kenyon Drake. Or no, not by Kenyon Drake. Jakeem Grant, I think. Jakeem Grant, yes. There was, a, yeah. there was an attempt, at, I mean, just, they were bumbling the ball in the end zone. It wasn't good. Franks redeemed himself, at least this week. But beyond that, there's not much I can say other than Dar had a great game. Good for him. Uh, I'll give him a B minus because we need to see the return game start stepping up, especially when the offense and defense are struggling. Yeah, I'll give him a B minus too for all the reasons I said. Dar was good. Franks hit the kicks he needed to hit, and they put the ball through the end zone. Yeah, Jakeem Grant, uh, he's got to, you know, for I, I take back what I said last week. You know, Grant has to realize that when he can and can't come out of the end zone, and and he he missed. He made two mistakes back there. One time it resulted in the Dolphins getting the ball at the nine-yard line. I mean, the nine-yard line instead of 25 is a major difference. I, I say the hell with it anyway. Just start at the 25-yard line every time. Get rid of kick return, period. Um, that'll do it for our grades. Paul, who is, your, who is your stud in this game? Who's the one that really stood out for you? This is probably going to upset a few people when I say this, based on Dolphins' Twitter and what have you. But I have to for the second week in a row, go with Tannehill. Do I think he's the greatest of all time? No. But the way he stepped up, the way he executed that offense in that second half is what brought this team back into it. Um, He showed a lot of leadership and a lot of guts in that second half to help try to drive down that field repeatedly, put the ball in some amazing locations on some of those throws, and give the Dolphins a chance to win it. Did they pull it out? No. But at least... He put them in a position to do so at that point. And he's got to be my stud of the game here, which was hard to find in this game. Paul, my stud's going to be Jordan Cameron. I mean, even though five catches for 49 yards, I thought he blocked well. I thought he finally started to get some positive momentum going. And at six foot five, 250 pounds, if he can play like he did there, this guy is a weapon. Now, I don't know if he's going to continue that or not, but really good 20 yard touchdown where Tannehill just buried the ball in there. Cameron came down with it. So hopefully now he has some momentum going in the right direction. Because if that's the case, then when you combine 
Devontae Parker, Jordan Cameron, and, and Jarvis Landry, and then throw some Kenny Stills, Leontae Carew, and some of these other running backs in there, you have a lot of options, especially if the pass protection's as good as it was in this game. So as far as, as uh, my dud for the game, I'm going to go ahead with mine first. I'm, I'm going to give that to Vance Joseph. He, he looked very Kevin Coyle-like in this game. I, I thought the game plan was completely flawed. I never understand ever why you go into New England and let them dink and dunk their way down the field. They will do that all day, every day. Just the, the chunk yards, the 15, 20, 25 yards at a time, I just couldn't take it for the first quarter and a half. Eventually, it's what, what did the Dolphins end. So who's one that stuck it, stood out to you, Paul, for the wrong reasons? You absolutely took who I was going to go with here. But I'm going to stick in the same vein, at least, in the interest of going with somebody different. I'm going to go with Gase here, and mainly because of some of the reasons I, I referenced earlier, where they set things up to be that quick, up-tempo, get back to the line of scrimmage, adjust a little bit, have Tannehill make a few calls, and, and keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And they overthought themselves and came out slow, trying to overthink it, trying to be different which, let's face it, you're a team and have any trends yet because you only had one game under your belt. You're not bucking your trends to throw off Bill Belichick at that point when you don't have any on paper yet. Go with what you know works and then adjust from there if it doesn't. It's not that hard. And Miami got away from it, and you saw when they went back to it that defense could not stop it in the second half. So I've got to give it to Gates here. As bad as the defense was, he did dud out the offense. Yeah, hopefully the Dolphins can get back on the track on on track next week against the Cleveland Browns, where we'll be facing rookie third round pick Cody Kessler out of USC. Um, and I was shocked Cody Kessler went higher than the sixth or seventh round. Hopefully the Dolphins can get right back on track. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, subscribe to us on iTunes as well as YouTube, and tweet us your questions with hashtag FinsideQ, F-I-N-S-I-D-E-Q. And like Brian Miller used to say, it's if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in To see what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again We rep our team, you can't change, stop, or ruin it All we need is to figure what to do to win Fans radio, live and direct Win or lose, we're showing up for every contest No puppet talk, it's all raw and unfiltered Voice of the fans when the season looks peculiar Rock an apple orange over here, then you familiar through our speakers to fulfill the crap we have to hear about our team and all the latest news. That's the rookies trying to make the team paying dues. Current players and alumni interviews. City to city, state to state, follow the moves. Call the hotline, Dolphins talk, set to go. Best sports team and show all across the globe. Fin. It ain't the left side or the right side.
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.